Now, actually, the mistakes we're talking about tonight aren't those little uh, good faith mistakes. We're going to talk about mistakes more akin to sin. Okay, anybody in here ever made any mistakes? Am I the only one? Yeah, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. Uh, in particular, we're going to be talking really about uh, Paul's going to be teaching in this chapter. You know, he's been counseling, he's been advising, if you will, he's been admonishing the church in Corinth. Tonight, he's going to be teaching them. He's going to be teaching them some lessons that they can learn, uh, mainly from the people of Israel and mistakes that the people of Israel have made, sins that they've made in their life. And what do you think the goal of this is? To get better, right? Not to make the same mistakes. You know, maybe to change your ways. You know, we can learn from, from those mistakes. It's not always that easy, though, is it? You know, sometimes it's pretty easy to keep making mistakes. Keep screwing up in the same way. I mean, it's so common that, you know, there's a, there's a saying that Winston Churchill had, and people have quoted it over and over and over again in the years, and it just says this, that, that if we do not learn from our mistakes from history, we are doomed to repeat it. And the reason he says that is because we just keep repeating it over and over and over again. And, and, and notice, though, what he says in there. He says that if we don't learn from our mistakes, if we don't learn from history, that's an important word, isn't it, from? It's much different than learning about something. Big difference between learning about something and learning from something. Because one, about, leads to knowledge, right? And the other, from, leads to change. One leads to knowledge and the other leads to change. And what Paul is talking about tonight and what he wants from the church in Corinth and what he wants from us is change. And we're going to find that there's several things that are important if you want change, things that you have to do, okay? And I've got three of them. We're going to talk about all three tonight. And that's the title of my lesson, and it is this. We must learn it, we must believe it, and we must use it. We've got to learn it, believe it, and use it, okay? We're going to talk about those three things as we go through 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And right away, right in the very first verse, okay, he starts with learn it. He wants you to learn it. What does he say there? He says, I've got to get my glasses. For I do not want you to be unaware. I want you to know, right? I want you to learn this, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. So what's the setting here? What's he wanting us to learn from? It's the, it's the Exodus, right? This is when the nation of Israel left Egypt. They're out in the wilderness. That's why he's talking about the cloud. Remember, they followed the cloud by day and the fire by night, and he talked about the sea, the crossing of the Red Sea. Okay, he's giving you the setting here. He talks about the spiritual food, manna, the spiritual uh, well, drink that they got from the rock. Okay, that's our setting for tonight. But a couple of interesting things that we shouldn't skip over, okay? Why do you think it is that he uses the word that our fathers... Because remember, in this church, there would have been probably an, a, 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 maybe even a majority of them that would have been Gentiles. Why do you think he used the word our fathers? Sorry? Leaders? Yeah. 
All in the same family now. That's exactly right. He was trying to make this connection, okay, to the New Testament, to the Old Testament. We're all one family. We're a Christian nation, if you will. No longer them against us. We're all one. We're the, we're the church of Christ. Okay, and it's probably also why uh, in here he gives us a couple of what I call theological landmines. All right, theological landmines to me are those theological uh, sentences or verses or words that sometimes can, I know for me, get me chasing my tail. Like this week, for example, I probably spent half of my time preparing for tonight on these couple of theological landmines. And there's two of them, and he probably did it for the same reason. That's really probably why he mentioned these two phrases in here, to make this connection. The first one is, baptized into Moses. Isn't that interesting? Baptized into Moses. We don't know exactly why he said this, okay, but probably trying to make the connection to being baptized into Christ, which we see in Romans and we see in Galatians, right? He's trying to connect them back and say, listen, just like they put their faith in God through Moses to deliver them, if you will, from Egypt, we put our faith in God through Christ today, right? He's connecting the two. That's probably why he did it. There's another one in there, though, that's also very interesting, right? And it says that, and the rock was Christ. I mean, come on, that's a, if there's ever a landmine, that's one, right? I mean, I thought Christ was born, we talked about him tonight, I thought he was born of a virgin, came to earth, right? I thought that was our Christ, although we know, though, Christ was in the beginning, right? The, the God, the Father, and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have always been, but we don't talk much about Christ really in the Old Testament. This is the time we're talking about here. You know, a lot of scholars think maybe that was Christ. Maybe he was there in spirit. You know, we saw this in, in Joshua, right? We studied Joshua and he saw the commander. May have been Christ incarnate, right? But probably likely the reason that he is saying this is the rock of Christ. He's, again, he's making a connection because remember, what did they get from the rock that was there in the wilderness with them? Got water, right? What did Jesus, whenever they were at the well, what did he say? If you drink this water, you'll be thirsty. But if you drink the water that I give, you'll never be thirsty, right? So he's trying to make the connection. Just like you had a rock, that was your rock, and you got water from it. We got a really good rock today, Christ, right? And that water, you'll never be thirsty again, all right? So two connectors that they made there. Uh, but very important, you could spend a lot of time, like I did, really making sure I understood what he's talking about, baptized into Moses and the rock of Christ. But he wants to connect it. We're all the same family. He's trying to set this up to, so that they know, the Corinthians and us say, listen, they're just like you, okay? And you can learn from them. You can learn from them. And then he gets to the mistakes here in verse 5. He says, nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased. Not pleased. Made lots of mistakes, says there in verse 6, Now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. And then he's going to tell us what these mistakes were. Okay? He goes through in the next few verses, and let's read them. I'll read them out loud, and then we'll talk about the mistakes. And by the way, there's on your table, I've got a handout. You guys know this by now, that you can kind of follow along and fill in the blanks. Starting in verse 7, it says, Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. 
We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 20,000, 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. So he lists for us four mistakes, okay? Four sins, if you will, of the nation of Israel right here. What's the first one? They were idolaters, right? He's talking about here, he actually quotes for it. It says, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. It's from Exodus chapter 32. And he's talking about the time when Moses went up to the burning bush to get the Ten Commandments. And remember, he came back down the first time. And what did the people, what did they have done at that time? They had, they had melted all the, the jewelry and the gold and they'd made a golden calf and they decided that Moses was taking too long so they were going to create their own idol. They were going to worship that idol, right? Moses comes down, he's angry, he throws and he breaks the, ta- breaks the tablets. And if you go back and look in Exodus chapter 32, you'll see those words. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. So the first one he's, he's pointing out that they were idolaters. All right, what's the second one? Sexual immorality. He's talking about numbers, chapter 25 here. Okay, he's talking about when they married women that worship Baal. They intermarried with worshipers of, of Baal, and this led to all types of immorality, sexual immorality. Okay, and if you look back, it says that 20, I think it actually says 22,000 died because of this. Okay, so he's talking about sexual immorality, disobedience. What's the third thing? Put, te- put, put him to the test, right? He's talking about this really scary, I don't know if you remember, it was, uh, I forget which one, and maybe in the Bible series that I was watching this, where the Bible says it's the fiery serpents in Numbers 21. It's because they were grumbling. They were, they were saying, listen, why did you bring us here just to die? Why did you take us out of Egypt just to die? And God sent these fiery serpents to, to bite them and to kill them. And it says there that, that God told Moses to put one on a cross on a tree. And if they looked at it and they'd been bitten, they'd be saved, right? God gave them a way out. But they put him to the test, complaining. And then it says they grumbled all the time. Boy, you could, I could give you lots of examples of this. The first, the, the water was bitter, right? And he made it sweet. And then they complained about the manna. I don't want to eat this every day. I want something, I want some fish, or some meat. So what did he do? He, he brought quail from the sea. You know, when I first started studying the Bible years ago, I used to think from the quail from the sea, that doesn't make any sense. But really what it means is they just came from the sea, the direction of the sea. Okay? He brought quail and they ate this quail and he sent a plague to kill them. All right? And then it, again there in verse 11, he says, why am I telling you this? Okay, these things happen to them as an example, but they are written down for our instruction. He wants us to learn from this, you know, and and you can probably categorize most of our sins in one of those categories, can't you? Idolatry, immorality, putting God to the test. I mean, we don't think of it that way, but we do it really in all the time in our lives, don't we? We know how to be obedient and what we need to do, but we test God, you know, all the time we test God by our actions and you know, by, by leading the life we want to live and not the life God wants us to live. We do it all the time, right? And I know uh, in the Olson house, there's lots of grumbling, okay? We're often grumbling, me included. So we could categorize most of our mistakes, our sins probably in that. And Paul is saying, listen, these are written down to help us, to instruct us. 
I mean, it's kind of interesting, isn't it, that Paul is, is teaching here really from the Old Testament. Numbers 21, 25, number 11, Numbers 11 is where it talks about that, the quail. Exodus 32. It's the instruction that he's giving them from the Old Testament. What do we have? We have an entire book of instruction, don't we? It's the Bible. All kinds of instruction in here. All we got to do is pick it up, learn it, believe it, use it, right? Lots of ways that we can learn, believe, and use. Learn from mistakes, mistakes that are in here. We can also learn from our own mistakes, though, right? Boy, that's another good source. Or what about learning from other people's mistakes? It's one of the reasons discipleship is so important. You know, that's what discipleship is all about. You are pouring your life into someone else's life, trying to give them examples, right, of things maybe you've learned and mistakes that you've made and problems that you've had, hoping that maybe they can learn from it. You know, do something different. Maybe not make the same mistakes again, right? But what is it that, you know, why is, why is Paul really, I mean, he's replaying this kind of bad movie, right? I mean, and, you know, this is, this is kind of tough stuff. I mean, killed 23,000, sent a plague when they complained. I mean, why is he replaying this, this bad movie? Because, you know, isn't this the same Paul that said, my one focus is what, to forget what lies behind and strain toward what's ahead of me? That's the same guy, right? But here he's telling them, listen, learn from this, from the past. But what's he really saying? Again, he's saying, listen, you can learn from it, but that doesn't mean you have to live in it. It's a really important distinction. Really important distinction, right? Because all of us have a past. All of us have a past that has mistakes in that past. Okay, and you can either let those mistakes and let that past bring you down, or you can let it make you better. And what Paul's doing here is he's trying to encourage them to, to let it make them better, not to live in it, not to dwell on it. Yeah, it's the same guy that said, I forget what lies behind. I stray, strain on to what's ahead of me. But that doesn't mean that I, I forget it all, all right, and that I don't learn from it, all right? I just don't dwell in it, okay? I just don't dwell in it. I, I learn from it, and I get better. But if we just stopped here, okay, if this is the end, right, we would be we would fall into that category of learning about it, right? We would have gained some knowledge, all right? But we really wouldn't have done anything that would have caused change, right? We wouldn't have done anything that would have caused change. To cause change, you, you also have to believe it. All right, I've, I've discipled a lot of men, okay? And I can tell you that in most of those discipleship relationships, I feel, and I could be wrong, that I do a fairly good job of of giving them knowledge, of sharing my life with them, mistakes I've made, you know, sharing the scripture with them. I feel like I've done a pretty good job of that. But it doesn't always result in change because way, way too many times the person I'm discipling, they just don't really believe it. They just don't really believe it. Okay? And if you don't believe it, you're never, ever going to change, all right? And what do you got to believe? Well, first and foremost, you got to believe that there's consequences of sin, okay? You got to believe there's consequences of sin. That's why he's telling them this, okay? That's why he's being in, in graphic detail about what happens when they sinned and the mistakes that they made, 
Okay, that, that, that there was consequences of this. All right? You've got to believe that there's consequences of your sin. If you don't, you're never, ever going to change what you've been doing. You're never going to ever learn from these mistakes, your mistakes and the mistakes of others. Okay, you're never going to do that unless you believe that those mistakes, those sins lead to bad consequences. Now, thank the Lord that today, okay, we don't really hopefully worry too much about God just striking us dead. Okay, thank you, Jesus, right? Thank you, Jesus. We don't have to worry about that. But the Bible is very, very clear, isn't it, that sin leads to death. Okay, you may be sneaking into heaven, but if you're living a life of sin, okay, you're going to live a life of misery. And if you don't believe that, or if you don't believe there's a, there's a relationship to the sin and the consequence, you're never going to change. All right, you're never going to change. But let me tell you what else you got to believe. All right, you got to believe that it can happen to you. You got to believe it can happen to you. And Paul talks about that here in verse 12. He says, Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Isn't that good? Anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Okay, so he's talking about the I know better person. Okay, the, the prideful person. The I've got it under control person. Know anybody like that? Know anybody like that? I've got it under control. Okay, I can maybe, I can look at a website every now and then and you know what, it's okay because I won't let it go too far. I can have a drink occasionally because I'm just not going to let it go too far. I'm in control. It will not happen to me because I know better. I'm bigger. I can overcome this. Just don't believe it can happen to you. What's he say here? He's saying, wake up. You think you're standing and you're really going to fall. You're really going to fall. And then he also reminds us that, listen, we're nothing special. Okay, there in verse 13, he says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. We use this verse all the time, right, to give us comfort when things are happening that are bad in our life. But you can also look at this verse and it can be a great reminder that you're nothing special. Okay, what's happened to you? Is, is nothing unique. You're, you're not in some kind of special place that allows you to have special powers, okay? All these temptations, all these things, they're common to everybody, including you. They can happen to you too. So wake up, be careful, okay? And remember, right, that it can happen to you. I could take those same words from Winston Churchill that says, that if you don't learn from it, Right? You're destined to repeat it. You can say the same thing about believe. If you don't believe it, you're destined to repeat it. If you don't believe it, you're destined to repeat it. But even if you learn it, and even if you believe it, right? Okay, it's not going to really matter much to change in your life. It's really not going to make a difference. It's not really going to help you turn things around. It's not going to allow you to, to maybe stop making these same mistakes. Okay, Unless you what? Use it, unless you use it. If you don't use it, none of this really matters, does it? None of this really matters if you don't use it. So how do we use it? How do we use what we've learned, what we believe, okay, to change, to make things better, to stop making the same mistakes? How do we do that? First and foremost, God. 
what does he say there in 13? He says, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. God is faithful. Never forget, first and foremost, you can't do it without God. Our strength begins, our strength ends in God. So when you're believing, put that on the list. Don't forget to believe in God. Okay, because you can't do it without him. You can't use it unless you're looking to Christ first. That's where we get our strength. That's what allows us to do it. That's what allows us to change. That's what allows us to learn is because of God. Because God is faithful. Amen? But it also involves us, right? We actually have to do something. We have to do something. Look at the, the next part of that verse. It says there, after God is faithful, it says, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Boy, we love this verse, don't we? But, but note in this verse, okay, it is not a verse of deliverance, really. It's a verse of opportunity, right? He's giving you a way to escape, but you got to act. You got to take advantage of this. You got to do something. And, and you know this is true because if you look at the very next verse, it says, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. It's like, get out of there. Get out of there. Get away from this. I've given the opportunity. Take it. Right? Take it. You've got to act. If you want to use it, you've got to do something about it. Through the strength that you've been given in Christ, you've got to take it. You've got to take action. You've got to flee. You've got to get out of there. All right, and he gives us a couple, of, uh, a couple of actions, a couple of ways to act in this next part of it. After he says, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. He said, I speak to you as sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. And then he's going to go through in these next few verses, and he's going to talk about the fact that you can't be of the world and be of Christ. Can't be both. Can't be both. He says, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread. We who are many are one body. For we all partake of the one bread. That's Christ. That's what they're talking about there. Consider the people of Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices participants in the altar? What do I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything or that an idol is anything? No, I imply that what pagan sacrifice they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. So the first thing that you can do, the first action that you can take, okay, is to do not participate with sin. That's what he's telling you there in verse 20. He says, I do not want you to be participants with demons. I don't want you to do it. I don't want you to be around it, okay? Get out of there. Flee. I don't want you to be around sin. Don't go to the bar. All right? Don't visit the website. Don't do it. Stay away from it. The flesh is weak. Stay away from those things that tempt you. Stay away from those places where, where you made mistakes before. I mean, I know when I stopped drinking, one of the things that I had to stop doing were things like going out with coworkers. Right In my business, when I would travel on the road, it was pretty common that after you'd have a business dinner, what do you do? You stop by the bar. So if you're going to stop drinking, what do you need to stop doing? Stopping by the bar, right? That's the first place to start. 
People are like, man, didn't you have to give up stuff? I had to give up a lot of stuff. I had to give up a lot of stuff. I didn't want to participate with sin. I'll never forget James McDonald was here preaching one time and was talking about, about just uh, the desires of the flesh. And James said, listen, in my phone, I don't even have a browser on it. This is a great James McDonald, pastor up at Vertical Church in Chicago. said, I don't even have a browser on my phone. He said, when I travel, I never stay in a hotel room without my wife. Ever. I don't go somewhere unless I can stay with somebody at their house. I mean, why do you think he did this? He's a great man of God. He's trying to set boundaries, right? He doesn't want to associate with it. He knows his limits. He's not going to put himself in a position where he might fail. We've got to learn from that. Don't want to associate with it. You know why? Because sin, all right, sin has a way of sucking you in, doesn't it? I mean, it really does. I mean, it starts out and you think it's kind of innocent and I do this little one thing, but then just little by little by little, it just kind of sucks you in, okay, eats you up and destroys your life and leads to heartache, doesn't it? So the first thing, man, don't participate. Don't participate in sin. And, but, but here's what you should participate in. He tells us there in verses 23 and 24, he says, all things are lawful. You can do all that stuff. It wasn't against the law for you to do that stuff, right? But not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. So what should we associate with? Things that are helpful, right? Right? Things that build up. Things that are good. I was looking through the New Testament and 14 times the New Testament tells us to do good. 14 times. I found just a few of them that I wanted to read. Galatians 6.10 says, let us do good. 1 Thessalonians 5.15, always seek to do good. 1 Timothy 6.18, do good. Be rich in good works. Just do good. I mean, that's a pretty nice combo, isn't it? Stay away from sin. Don't associate with sin and do good. It's a great lesson in that. Very simple, but a good lesson. Just like there's a good lesson in this entire chapter. I love this. I learned a lot when I was studying for this. Okay, we got to learn from our mistakes. It sounds so, so simple, but it's not. You got to learn it. You got to believe it. Okay, you got to really believe that there's consequences that it can happen to you. And then you got to use it. Because if you don't use it, you'll never change. You know, I'm going to show you a quick video because as I was thinking about this this week is a good example. In the, in the news, um, there was a story about a young man that played high school football in Texas back in 07 and 08. He grew up very poor um, in a small apartment with six people. And in high school, on a football field one night, he made a horrible, horrible mistake. But we're going to see in this video that he learned from it. And look what he's doing now. There ain't no switch to it, man. To me, I truly believe the scariest person on the field is the nicest person on the field. Clock ticking down with fate closing in every second, the unthinkable happened. You can't hide from something like this. And if it were you, it might haunt you forever. It was the, the, last, the last game of the year. Um, I 
I believe it was the regional finals against Allen is whenever I assaulted the referee. Elegana Eric Fialo was an all-state safety for Trinity High School, a juggernaut football program of Euless, Texas in the years 2007 and 2008. Coming off a state championship against Converse Judson in 2007, Eric established a name for himself heading into his senior season. As a junior, I got deep defense MVP and it was just, my head blew up, you know? I started moving away from my morals as far as putting God first and looking after my family and my friends, you know? I was, you know, I started looking at myself like the big shot. As a preseason number one ranking in the nation, Euless Trinity lived up to expectations going 10-0 in the regular season then advancing to the regional final against Allen High School. However, with the score at 34-21, time winding down and Allen in possession of the ball, an event occurs. Everyone floods to the right to make a tackle or to block for the runner. Everybody but number 47, Elekana Fialo. He runs in the opposite direction of the ball carrier and blindsides the referee as the running back breaks a 40-yard run, hitting the gap that was left by Fialo when he made a beeline for the referee. Once the incident happened, it didn't come without consequences. As I was in a situation where I got all my scholarships taken away from that, you know, and uh, I had nowhere to go. I got sent to alternative school, and when I was sitting there, I was like, who's going to visit, you know, who's going to visit me here? Eric would wonder if this was just luck or if there was another factor, a higher factor, watching over him. I was praying, you know, and sitting in SOS, uh, which is alternative school. And I'd always pray before I eat and extend my prayer to, you know, please help me with this situation. There was a coach from Sam Houston State who came and visited me while I was in alternative school and he offered me a four-hour scholarship right then and there. And I just you know, fell to my knees and, you know, started praising God and just tears and joy just started dripping down my face because, you know, how could a ratchet man like me, after assaulting an innocent referee, you know, that was just doing his job refereeing the game, you know. Why could something like that happen to me, you know? And I didn't realize it until later on that, you know, it was just strictly through faith and prayer, you know. And God, God seen my heart and, and you know, and he, he provided. So then graduated from Sam Houston State, came back to U.S. and God blessed me again with another calling. I would say job, but it's, it's, I believe it's a calling straight from God to become a police officer here in the city of Euless, you know. And uh, that's where I'm at today and just sharing the love and hopefully, you know, continuing to share the faith and uh, what Jesus Christ has done for us believers on that cross, you know. Just if we just simply believe and have faith and continue to pray and just have that lifeline with Him, He'll provide, man. And I just live in testimony of you right here, man. Isn't that a great story? We learn from it, right? Could have kept going downhill, would have been real easy, right? Just to keep going down the path. You make that mistake, you know, I don't know if you, I remember that. I remember that when it happened. And I remember myself thinking, man, what kind of person is this? You know, probably judging him like I shouldn't have been. But he learned from it. Learned from his mistake. Look what he's doing now, doing good. He said he's doing God's work. He's doing what we all should be doing. It's what Paul said there at the end in verse 31. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. See, that's, that's Paul's lesson tonight, all right? 
It was his lesson out of the Old Testament to the church in Corinth. It's his lesson still today to us. Okay, we need to learn. Learn from our mistakes. Okay, learn from the mistakes of others. I hope everybody has an opportunity to have somebody in their life that cares enough about them to pour their life into theirs. Okay, you can also learn from your own mistakes, right? Learn from your own mistakes, learn from mistakes of others, learn from mistakes just by studying God's Word. But also believe it and use it. Learn it, believe it, and use it. That's what he wants us to do. That's what Paul was teaching. I saw a, uh, a, a saying in Russia okay, that I'll, I'll wrap it up with. It's a little bit harsh, okay? But it says, The wise man learns from someone else's mistakes. The smart man learns from his own. And the stupid one never learns. Oh, I told you it was a little harsh. I just don't want to be the stupid one. How about you guys? I want to learn. I want to learn. I want to believe. I want to use it for the glory of God. What Jared say is saying was he took credit for tonight. All of me, all my days, all for the glory of God. Amen? Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this, this group of believers, Lord, that are so dedicated to be here and study your word and, Lord, just to learn where we all make mistakes, we've all messed up, we've all done things that we don't, weren't proud of and or that we know you're not proud of, God, but we are so grateful that you love us and that you forgive us, you're faithful, Lord, to us, and God, we just got to come back to you and repent. Believe it, Lord, believe in its consequences, and Lord, know that it can happen to us, Lord, and then use it. Rely on you, for you and your strength, God. And take action. Lord, thank you that you're so patient with us. Thank you that you love us and you just extend your grace and your mercy every single day. Lord, I thank you so much for each person here. Lord, I pray, God, that as we head into this Christmas season, Lord, I pray that all of us will just get an opportunity to slow down. Remember what this season's about. That you sent your son, Lord, just to live and to die so that we might know eternity. We thank you. Lord, thank you so much for this evening. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.